0: There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is this, it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff, diet, exercise, and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness, and fitness in relation to musicians, artists, and performance hi everyone. hi <laughs>
1: we are back here today with uh, I'm not even sure what episode number this is of our little podcast um, I am as always dr. Jen Cavis.
0: and I am Angela McHouston of music strong <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and today we're gonna start out with uh, a message a really interesting message actually that Angela got um, that I think I'll just let you introduce it from there.
0: Yeah, sure. So I've been reaching out to as many instrumentalists as uh, are willing to talk to me about what their issues are with with playing, with injury, with just how they're feeling, right? And their experiences. And uh, a cellist reached out and told me some really interesting stuff. And I'll, I'm going to skip to the end of her message, and I'm not going to say who she is, but... Uh, Something she said, she said, um, I get discouraged. I I must admit that I get discouraged as many of the stories are of people who already enjoyed a level of physical activity and just needed to learn how to channel it into staying conditioned for their instrument. I struggle just to want to move my body at all and would love to hear others who are like that as well. And I think that... what she was referencing was the the community of musicians who talk about the physical aspect of playing. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that she's, you know, she's right. Most of us talk about continuing instead of just coming from a place where we don't have any athletic background. So the question is, do we need an athletic background? And also, if it's not athletic, what if you just want to move and you don't know where to start? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with that, um, a lot more than it certainly seems like on the surface. Um, and and we could we decided not to unpack this, but when you when you say um, an athletic background, that can mean so many different things, right? Um, to so many different people, and a lot of it comes down to definitions and personal experiences. And why why do you think, as a person, that you are not athletic? Because there's a lot of us like that. Um, who grew up thinking that we weren't and then you know you start getting into moving more and you go oh no I remember I did this as a kid I was good at this as a kid why did I think I was terrible oh because of XYZ experience that took that out of context so that's one level of it Um, the whole like I know we've talked about this too recently with uh, struggling to just want to move at all you know (laughs) Um, Yes. Really, really (laughs) tough. Really tough in general. Um, And part of that double-edged sword, I know for me too, and and I'm sure you've had this experience, but correct me if I'm wrong, is um, you get tired at the end of the day so you don't want to move. And you have two choices. Either you don't move and then you're still tired. Or you move even though you're tired and all of a sudden you have energy.
0: (laughs) <clears throat> yeah, I cannot work out in the afternoon slash evening. It's just too, for that reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That reason. I'm a morning person when it comes to that. I, I, I want to get my I want to get my workout in, whatever my movement is, first thing in the morning. When I wake up, first thing. Because I know if I immediately get on email and start doing those things, it won't happen. <clears throat> I'm yep. like, well, it has to wait. It can wait another hour or two if it waited all night and yesterday and probably the day before that. It can wait another two hours.
1: Right, right. And I'm actually in the opposite, where it takes me so long to wake up physically every single day that it's like, okay, I can do the low-key mental stuff first. And then by the time I'm done with my work day, I'm like, and and don't get me wrong, by the end of the work day, I'm like, I'm tired, I'm done, I just want to go sit down, veg out. The rule is don't sit down. Yes, when you sit down, you're done. Don't sit down. Like, you know, come home from work, get changed, go back out, go for a walk just one one lap around the block because usually if you do a lap you'll do two and then you'll want to move more
0: (laughs) yes it just starts Um, with that little bit yeah yeah and that's it's just
1: just don't sit down just start moving and the more you move the more you'll want to move the more you'll have the energy to do it um so that's that's a starting point that I found to be pretty critical for especially afternoon people I know morning people it's hard to want to put off the work, um, but then you get your workout done and you're not as stressed about it the rest of the
0: day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I, I did a bike ride this morning. I made, t- it was hard for me to get up and do it. And honestly, I feel better if I get up at 5, 530 and just go ride. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel way better. But the problem is I've gotten into a habit of going to bed later. And I can't get up early and I just, right. and now I don't have to, it's just this right. vicious cycle. It's like, you know what? I know I do better and we're getting off on tangent, but I know I yeah. do better when I set my, I, I go to bed earlier, I get my, and now I know because of all that's going on, I need eight to nine hours. And if I don't get it, yes, I'm Perfect. having a crappy day and right. it's not negotiable anymore. Right. <laughs> that's another and, topic.
1: So for sure, that is like a necessity that we've been downplaying like just to just to hammer that home um and you want to talk about sleep. learning and creativity that's a necessity it's not I'm
0: feeling burned out you get so much yeah. more burned out so quickly when you're when you when you don't have enough sleep mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. tangent but yes. you know so I, I right now it's getting it's getting hotter Mm-hmm. sooner the sun rises earlier so mm-hmm. if the sun rises at 6 30 and i get up at 5 30 get my kit together bike in the car go drive somewhere start riding before dawn it's still just like you know it's cool and if i'm done by 7 7 30 whatever i've gotten in more miles than i would have it's been cruel there's no people on the road yeah it's really just the best time everything's still quiet yeah. um I, I, I would say I can do that with, like, lifting, but I don't have a gym close to me versus my other than my home gym. So mm-hmm. that's another struggle. Um, yeah. But if we're talking about am, am I an athlete, eh, I, sure, actually, yeah, but I feel weird calling myself an athlete because I've never been good at, you know, competitive sports. Yes. Am I a competitive cyclist against myself, against yeah. anybody else? I don't care. Yeah. You do yeah. you, boo.
1: <laughs> I don't care. And that's that definition thing that we were talking about, and it's it's also the um, oh, I had a thought that just hopped out of my head. Huh? Come back, come back, come back. <gasps> <gasps> Which thing? Um, we're talking about. Um. So yeah, there's the definition thing with that, where like we like to say you're you have to do a sport to be athletic, whatever. Right. And then there's the perceived image right of what's going on with people who look athletic um and are doing this yeah uh and and why that comes across that way whereas you know i i would think that somebody who is just starting out and really afraid of it would look at somebody like you know us doing any of our workouts and go oh well you know you're you're just continuing on whatever and like no no that's started from scratch and then you look at people like us compared to, you know, elite tier professional athletes in sports. Yeah. And very different, very, very different looking. And they, to us, seem like, oh, those are the athletes and we're this.
0: Um, and I just say that it doesn't matter what level at level you are at, you can still be intimidated. And you can still feel like you don't know what you're doing. You can yeah. still feel like a beginner. Right. I don't care how long you've been... I've been doing... I've been lifting for, I don't know, 20, 25 years. I've been a coach for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I know some stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, These... these, And I I feel stupid for, like, harping on these injuries for the last several episodes, but they're so here. They're not... Mm -hmm. You know, and I've just made some progress with this thoracic outlet stuff and some progress with the hamstring tendinosis, but they take time, and I am so patient to do things and so I go in the gym and like I tried to do some things today and they felt good in the moment and now my fingers numb again can't have this okay yeah. ego I was like oh this is good oh it's no not no. good no. not good so it's you know and I know my fitness has gone I'm not afraid to say my fitness has decreased from where I was last year but I also have to be really careful because I don't want to go backwards while I'm rehabbing this stuff so when i go back to working out the way i want to it's going to be an ego punch a little bit and i'm going to have to be a beginner again and start building that base of strength Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. i had and Mm -hmm. it's okay to go back to being a beginner yes and i I, I, think
1: that well it's it's very much relevant um and, and again, there's a direct parallel here to what we do musically, too, as performers, um, that I think we need to kind of highlight. Uh, personally, I'd like to highlight because I wish somebody had said that to me when I was, you know, in this position. Um, it's, it's tougher, and this is going to sound a little bit um, like if you're a younger musician, a younger performer, this is just how it is. There's nothing wrong with this. The younger you are, the less experience you have as a performer, the more you see it as a straight line. Mm -hmm. It takes a certain level of, um, there's that compensation versus capacity type thing, which I think we'll get into. It's a Louis Simmons quote. I've got an article on it. Um, You can get to a certain point doing things a certain way, but if there's something (laughs) fundamentally inhibiting in how you're doing it, you can only go so far. There's a ceiling versus if you're willing to figure out what that problem is and move it over here, there's no ceiling anymore. Um, or there is a ceiling, but it's a much higher one. Well, you can't go from, here's my ceiling on this to here's the next thing, straight line. So like my first two years, my pre-doctorate year and my doctorate year for clarinet, I was revamping my embouchure from the ground up and my air, which means that I was playing way worse than most of our master's students as a doctoral student. Ego crushing.
0: Yeah.
1: Totally. And, you know, I picked up the clarinet in grade school, but when you compare it to something like there's something fundamentally wrong with how I'm walking that's causing an ankle injury, a chronic ankle injury. Okay, so talking about going further back than that, if it took me two years to completely drop down my embouchure and revamp it just to get back to where I was how long is it gonna take to undo something that is such a fundamental part of daily life you know Um, and not even undo but to do better at such a foundational level right so that's it hurts every time emotionally But it's the it's the only way to grow,
0: you know. <laughs> I see these trainers that I'm working I this is our first like first or second week back in the gym, and people and mm-hmm. um, we're all excited to get back. Like real real weights, like heavy weights and barbells oh. and sleds and like things, you know, more than just I so. what I have at home. More right. than bands, you know. It's exciting, and I see like some of these guys have been able to keep up these monster workouts. They took equipment home, they could do things, and they're on this other level. And I'm like. Miss that? <laughs> I used to could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad English. I used to could. Used to <laughs> could. So good. Used to you could. might could. <laughs> That's a southern one right there. Now you to. might could. Well, I hear that every day. But you know, it's so it's. I'll be. I'll be honest. It's going to be intimidating for me to work out in front of them when I see them work out in front of me, and mm-hmm. it's going to be intimidating for me to go back there. And I'm going to want to pick a time where nobody's there. Yes. And I can not feel judged, because I know that they, we look at each other, we we don't judge each other really, but we all do pay attention, and I don't want them paying attention to me. Some of them know what I'm dealing with, but most don't, and I don't want to necessarily explain it. Yeah. Well, and it's like how
1: most people practice better at their instrument when they're practicing at home, alone. so much better at home. (laughs) It's better when you're home alone next best thing is in a practice room with the door shut you have a public practice space oh those are never good practice sessions for me that's that's performance prep for me at that point even if I'm practicing something like okay I'm gonna practice performing this at this you know at this level this lower level yeah but the second I know and and they're not you can be friends who don't care like okay you're supposed to sound bad you're learning this doesn't matter
0: doesn't matter and I know my fellow trainers don't care. And the minute I tell them what I'm doing, they're like, oh, that sucks. you know. And I, I know if I asked any of them to write me a workout or to show me something, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, here, let me, yeah, sure. I yeah. mean, it's it's all super camaraderie. But it, there's still that part of you that goes, I don't want to be a beginner. I don't want to start over. I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I know where I was and know where I can be, and I'm not. So, yeah, yeah. And it's embarrassing when you see people doing all these stuff heavy things and advanced moves and you're just like but okay i gotta do like the basics for a while yeah yeah it's all right it's really okay Yeah. you have to start and you have just like playing an instrument you have you had to learn your scales you had to learn them properly you had to learn the right finger position you had to learn all those things and if you you gloss over them it's going to impede what you do for the rest of what you're doing, which is part of why I'm injured in the first place. I've never been able to deadlift properly because of what's going on with this hip issue, which is what started the whole mess. So when this is all said and done, I'm finally going to be able to lift with both glutes no. <laughs> and you know, all the other things. I'm going to like finally feel like I'm doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to take way longer than I want to. Right,
1: but that's that's life, right? We have this pressure because everything, especially technology, but everything else is moving so fast right now. So fast. The human body does not do that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The human body is very good. I, I know we talked about this with Doms and a couple other episodes, but it's very good at compensating for what it's put through and sticking to what it knows is safe, even if that is also harmful you know so like hey my squat is really dysfunctional and it hurts sometimes so we're going to keep doing what I need to do in order to be strong enough to do literally every other daily movement and I'm just not going to squat right that's what my body wants to do and I'm like no I don't I don't want that for myself so body I need to make you feel safe to squat so Coming back around, you know, if, if this is that same approach to reapproaching it for people who've been in it for a little bit, um, yeah, it's it's going to feel really intimidating the first time you come to it, and especially if you know nothing.
0: Um, I have had some amazing clients who've come to me, and they know Jack Diddley squat about the gym. They walk in and feel super intimidated. Yes. I've only had one client... See me one time and then quit, but that's because she showed up at five thirty when there were a million people there, and it was not her safe space. And she was like super, and yeah. then you know, and she'd never been in a gym before either. It was just it was the recipe for disaster. But that was her only time, yeah. and so it, you know, like if she could have come at one o'clock on a Thursday, it would have been way better. But yeah. she could only come at five thirty on a Monday or whatever it was. But right. other than that, I have had some clients who have never done anything. Mm-hmm. And they just trust they trust me and they trust the process. yeah, and then they leave and they, and like after a while, you can see kind of like the confidence and the swagger when they walk in and they feel more comfortable and they recognize <laughs> people and the people recognize them and then they lift yeah. heavier things and other people cheer for them when they do their little happy dance, you know it's like, yeah, I mean, you just because you start with nothing doesn't mean you always stay there
1: right. not, right. not and-
0: that that was our to our point, but you you're gonna have to start with nothing. Yeah. But you'll get somewhere.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't take as long as you think if you've got the right support system, and it doesn't have to be as painful and grueling as you think if you've got the right support system. It should feel like something that you can build a sense of safety around. Um, And there's a whole mental-emotional thing that I want to get into on a separate episode because I really want to dive on that. Um, That's a big thing for me. But in terms of, like, the physical part, Um, I mean, you were talking about this too. If you're intimidated by the gym, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where to go and you're, you're just scared to even show up. Um, first place people go to is YouTube. There's so much free stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and there's, there's good stuff out there too. Like not to talk bad about anybody. Um, but and and I think we talked about this too with the right fit coaching episode where it was like you know you're drawn to what you're being sold and what you're sold is what you think looks good and it's not always the case um and and there's what you think looks good will most likely change if you get into this really um I haven't really known anybody who didn't have that sort of experience right Um, and the further you get into it, and the more you're willing to just work on yourself and be happy, the more what looks good will change too. Um, so I I know we want to get into what do you do then if you're just getting started, but maybe that's actually a better segue into the Brett Contreras thing that you told me about. Uh,
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if any of you guys who are listening or watching have, who know who Brett Contreras is. He's the glute guy. Yeah. Um, if, if you find him on the IG he's got like a million followers lit, literally a million followers he's yeah. been in the game though for decades You know. Yeah. Um, he just wrote, I got it on my, my table, I haven't this whole time I should have been reading it but I've been busy, but it's on my to-do list to read his book he's got a book out about this thing called The Glute Lab or The Glute Bible or something, anyway it's the definitive work this yeah. man has devoted his life to your butt Yes. and his butt and everybody else's butt and because it's just like <laughs> it is so funny but i mean who else can create a who, who else can create a um a whole career out of that part of the anatomy this man did because it wasn't being done and it wasn't being addressed and it's a huge part of the anatomy that when it doesn't work the rest of the body doesn't work well either musicians included you know so um he posted something the other day that really really, like yesterday he posted this yesterday and going with what this cellist told me the other day, reading the two of those back to back, I thought, oh my gosh. This is this is a whole section of the population. And are you okay if I read this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so in case, you know, it might get buried in IG at some point. So I'm gonna show you this is this is his this is his post. This is Mr. Contreras in in his uh in his shorts, you know, just, you know, he's just standing there. He's not, besides the flex, he's not really doing a whole lot. You saw him at the, here's the end of his video, actually. So he stands there, he looks around, he just, look at him from the side. He's not ripped. I, he's, a lot of people would say he's jacked, but he's also kind of normal, right? He's not like influencer looking.
1: It, it depends on what you're used to seeing, but if we're going to go by like bodybuilding standards, he's not that big compared to a bodybuilder. Um, Correct. Right. Yes.
0: Right, and he's not, he's not a physique model or anything. Right. But this man is killer strong and knows his stuff. Yes. So yeah. here's his post, and let's tell me if this resonates with y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> he says he's thick. He can't put down the chopstick. <laughs> <laughs> Reading this verbatim. I encourage all of you to train for strength and not just physique purposes. I see so much body dysmorphia out there, especially in the fitness industry, and it's really sad. He says, this is my current body, six foot four and two hundred and fifty-two pounds at 43 years old. I had a meal about an hour prior to this video and I didn't pump up and I didn't suck it in. Many of you will say I look great my fitness colleagues will probably feel otherwise. The point is, I don't care what others think. Tell me I have a dad bod. Tell me I carry way too much body fat for a fitness guy. Ooh. Make fun of my power belly and love handles. Tell me I'm hairy or point out that I should have bigger glutes, considering I'm the glute guy. (laughs) You cannot phase me. I'm a big gorilla who just stiff legged 405 pounds for 20 reps. These mediocre glutes have hips thrusted 815 pounds. I can squat deep AF, military press 225 pounds for two reps, military press being this way, and bust out 12 chin-ups. My glutes are five times bigger than they used to be, (laughs) formerly team inverted glutes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still look decent despite eating 6,000 calories a day, and I'm always two months out from looking pretty darn good. You see, I judge my body by what it's able to do, Mm -hmm. not just how it looks. Mm -hmm. And I also judge my self-worth on the impact I feel I've made on the world and people around me. So my physique doesn't have to be stellar year-round for me to feel confident. Mm -hmm. That's huge. If all you train for is your physique, you'll be frequently disappointed. But if you you care about your strength, it adds another element for you to take pride in. Mm -hmm. So, you guys see these ESPN body issues with all the naked athletes? If you haven't, by the way, check it out. It's mind-blowing. You see all sorts of body types, but they all proudly strut their stuff because they are the creme de la creme in their sport. Mm -hmm. I wish more people in my field loved their bodies and weren't so self-conscious. I train hard AF, and my body is the manifestation of that training and my current diet and genetics. And I stand tall and proud no matter what the haters throw my way. And I think he brings up some super valid points. Yes.
1: Extremely. Extremely. And I mean, how many times do you see that where people go, well, I'm really not healthy and I don't feel good, so I want to start working out. But if they don't see specifically usually weight loss, they'll throw themselves (laughs) into it until they burn out or they'll quit or both. You know, (laughs) usually both. Um, because there's that, that mental image we were talking about where you want what you think looks good, and unless you're really diving into what feels good, A, you're probably not going to get there. B, even if you do, you probably won't see it. The number of people who are in bodybuilding, whether it's competitive or non-competitive really if you're really into bodybuilding on any level the number of people with what he's calling dysmorphia which is where you don't recognize anything different in your body where you think you look different than you do yes. it's ridiculously high ridiculously high and these are people who are just like shredded like absolutely very lean and they're like oh i'm so fat and like you're under 10 body fat you're not fat honey <laughs> like,
0: oh. No. Also, are all your internal organs working okay? <laughs> you know. Right, right. But if you can't see it, then what good does it do? So that yeah.
1: focus on feeling good, and especially when we're talking about getting into it as musicians and as performers, like, look, what we're doing is just now being defined as microathleticism. Yeah. But I think we talked about this previously, too, where I wouldn't define it as microathleticism. Our technique is microathleticism, our embouchure is microathleticism, but um, I I made up a phrase that I guess we decided we liked
0: earlier. (laughs) I think you have coined this as of 20 minutes ago.
1: You know, we're we're standing, playing our instrument, not always standing, but especially if we're standing. You're basically holding an instrument, you know, take your pick, um, for upwards of an hour, sometimes more, God help you, and there's shifting, these micro adjustments, but you can't do too much. Or you're going to throw yourself out of whack. And so basically what you're doing is if you're standing still, it's an isometric, but then you're also shifting. So you're constantly putting these strains on your large support muscles, your deep core, your lats, like all that stuff. And so it's like this constant hour plus long, sometimes more of these dynamic isometrics. Mhm-hmm. You need to have a base level of strength for that in those big muscles, in the stabilizer muscles, and then in your specializer, specializer muscles, specializing muscles, whatever, the ones that do specialization, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you've got to have a base level of strength for that, or you're just not going to survive, or you're going to start compensating, um, And that's the same thing with, like, where you're building an embouchure because you're just starting out or because you're rusty because you took time off and came back. Like, yeah, usually you can tell how strong you used to be when (laughs) you've taken a month or two off and you're like, oh, I can't hold an embouchure for more than 15 minutes at a time now, you know? (laughs)
0: I know that every time I come back from a hiatus of playing, whether it was uh, injury-induced or just I took the summer off or or whatever it was, you know, at any point in my life, whether I was young or I'm where I am now, mm-hmm. every time I come back to playing and it's been a while, I am reacquainted with, wow, I cannot hold this flute up as long as I used to with no problem. Mm-hmm. You have to build that strength endurance. And like I said before, it is not just strength it's not just endurance it's strength endurance to be able to play your instrument whether you're Mm -hmm. you are playing it and it's it's you know being held by the ground or you're holding it up you do have to build at that level and if you've taken a hiatus off you know whether you're gonna you're gonna have to rebuild that the good news is usually it doesn't take that long to come back the minute you start yeah keeping more of a consistent (laughs) routine you know, doing, doing small amounts of practicing over that. The same happens with fitness. Yeah. You do something consistent. I have one client who's lost 20 or 30 pounds over this whole two-month situation. He was furloughed, but he has made it his goal to exercise every day, and he came into the gym, whether he's been working out with me, and he only sees me once a week, but every day he does something, and he's like, I hit a new, I hit, I hit a new um, not a PR, a new, uh, not a goal, what's the word? Uh, A new record. I think it's been 30, 34, 36 days I've exercised in a row. And it's just, it's not like he's doing major things. Like he will either, he's got a little, you know, Fitbit kind of thing going on. He'll, He'll get up and do 45 minutes in the morning on a spin bike. But he started out with 10 to 20. Yeah. He just made a commitment to do it every morning. Yes. And then he decided that he was, whether it was yard work that was strenuous, he also moved in the middle of this. Or he's coming to work out with me. Yeah, It all contributes. But he mm-hmm. is actively doing something every single day. Yes. And and then he started tracking his calories and eating less. And it, I don't think he made drastic changes to his diet. He just mm-hmm. made the goal, I'm going to move somewhat every day. I'm going to do some kind of. And he picked something you like to do. And he started there. And that's yes. what people can do. If you don't know what to do, start with something you like to do. And do a little bit of it every day. Don't do a ton of it every single day right. cuz then you'll right. burn yourself out or you'll blow yourself out. Right. <laughs> and then you'll end up with an ankle injury or something. But you know, you do a little bit and you just you build consistency and then it becomes part of your routine and then you build on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's all it takes 100%. You yeah. got to build. You got to build. And if you if you don't know what you're doing at all, well, sorry, before we go from that. You got to build. You need a base level in order to do what you want to do for music. And something that I I keep wanting to hit on because I don't think it's really sunk in for a lot of people yet. Fitness slash working out, whatever you want to call it, wellness, all of that, it's not about just recovery from something that is not going well, right? right? It's about, if you're coming to this going, I want to be a better musician because I hurt after I stand for so long or because like, yeah, I just, I don't feel good as a whole. Like I feel fine when I'm playing, but as a whole, I don't feel like I'm very healthy. Yeah. Anything that's inhibiting you is even if it's not an injury, you're not optimized as a performer. Like the same way that athletes, you know, you talk about, um, I don't know, pick pick an athlete, pick, pick a sport, you know, like, Fencing. Football, basketball, fencing. <laughs> they all have some sort of strength-related training. Yeah,
0: they all
1: do. To make their sport better.
0: All of it's, them. All of them, because you cannot just train in your sport.
1: Right, right. And, you know, I—I I, the further I get into working on this stuff for myself, the more I believe music's the same way. Like if you want to be the best performer you can possibly be, you must move with ease, which is very Alexander technique and Felden crazy and dynamic integration mentality. Yeah. And strength is a component of that. I know we've talked about that before too. Philosophically, that's where I land is that this is all one thing. So (laughs) just had to make that because that's, that's like my soul right now. (laughs) (laughs) But going back to what we were talking about, um, it's like, okay, so say you're just starting out and you know now, okay, well, I want to do just a little bit of something that I enjoy doing, but I don't know what I'm doing, right? Um, it, it's it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to get on a spin bike for 10, 20 minutes. That's at least pretty straightforward for the most part, you know, um, just pedal. Chances are there's going to be something weird in your movements that we could talk about, but we'll leave that alone. But it's like, okay, well, my upper body is really, really weak. But if I lift weights the way that YouTube is showing me, I don't feel good. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, so, uh, so what do I do? Because I'm a beginner and I don't know anything about strength and, and the YouTubes are not helpful or they're hurtful, you know. Um,
0: even or if they're just not applicable to me right now. They're just not the right ones. I can't find the right ones. That's more the thing is that there's a lot of good out there. It's just
1: whether or not you are ready to do what is being shown. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that's going to come back to the same way that we wouldn't want you to start picking up an instrument um, (laughs) with a book or YouTube videos. Um, I I can't stand. And it's not that the information is bad. It's that you have no direct feedback on, you know, like, okay, well, you form your embouchure and this is how it's supposed to look. But if you don't know what you're looking at and you don't know what you're feeling, then you could be doing something that's very wrong and not even know
0: it. Right. You, know? <laughs> you have no clue. That's why you get a teacher. Yes. You know, you start with a book. You, people usually start with a teacher who gets them a book and guides them through it. Yes. But sometimes people get a book and realize, uh, and then they start with YouTube and they do okay, but then they're like, I don't, am I doing this? I don't know. And then they reach out to somebody and then they get a teacher it all comes back to that yes yeah nothing so when in nothing, doubt reach out One
1: yes and i know that a lot of times too much in the same way it's like you know music is an expensive career it's an expensive hobby it's expensive all around yeah. um like read prices alone how much is a box reads uh depending on the brand the average is about 30 bucks for 10. for a box yes we're talking three dollars a read for your average um, co- large-scale commercial brand professional read it's about three dollars a read sometimes more
0: how expensive is a clarinet
1: depends um, it, it the clarinet price is very widely um, right. so for a professional model if you're getting it used and it's a composite can get around
0: four grand
1: but they go way up they go over like 10 and 12 per are
0: it's like d- granadilla wood or whatever well certain types of wood I'm guessing
1: yeah, various types of wood there's various types of manufacturers are the keys nickel or silver or gold uh, what kind of mouthpiece do you have and like the, the accessories are ridiculously expensive too Um, I'm just
0: wondering if the reeds cost so much and I was thinking like flutes are so expensive and it's nothing when someone says, oh, I spent 20 grand. The flute I want is like 20 grand. People are like, (gasps) and then flute world's like, "Ah, all right. Why is that? What? (laughs) You know, and then you're like 30 boxes, $30 for a box of reeds. I was just wondering what the trade off is, you know, maybe because the flute is made of precious metal, the whole thing, (laughs) basically. Yeah. We have that one time giant expense. Right. Our cleaning materials cost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> swap it out put it in the box, you're done I mean, like, what do you need, cigarette paper? I mean, really, we got nothing but we pay for it all up front right. <laughs> and you guys have the continual we costs. have
1: continual read costs if um, you double read players you've got the time and the equipment for that, uh, for making the reads, if you're
0: a string yes. player
1: a good string instrument is insanely expensive
0: oh, they're, um, they're, in- they're absolutely insane
1: yeah so mu- music is expensive in general. Lessons are expensive because we have to fund our ability to make, like, you know, <laughs> you're going through a box of reads a month minimum, you know, depending on, yeah. That's you're a really, really heavy performer. That's um, that's a, it takes quite it. a of lessons to afford groceries and reads and <laughs> utilities. You
0: know. <laughs> I know. I was talking to the lady who's going to who's gonna um, do a COA on my piccolo, and I think um, I wanted to wait until after my annual training with the Army because I know I'll get a giant check of money. Like Then I'll know I'll have the money to pay for it. And I, I should do it every year. I think I put it off for two years. It's going to be at least $400 just for this tiny little – Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it. I, but, I mean, they've got to replace some pads and tweak some things and oil and blah, 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 blah you know. Mm-hmm. It's expensive.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, this is not a career for the faint of heart or the poor so the poor musician thing is like bull we spend a lot of money on a lot of things
1: yeah we just I mean, don't have a lot by the time we're done
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't make it a lot a lot up
1: front and most of what we do make goes right back into what we're doing so it's it's it, this ties in because it's hard enough to justify the expenses that we have to do for travel just to get a paycheck and then reads for some of us and bass instrument costs, waka, waka, waka. And then you want to talk to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing about, well, you need to get a one-on-one trainer or coach. Um, And that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. But here's the thing. And some of this is going to tie into what I want to talk about in a later episode, too, with um, not justifications, but, like, there's, there's things that we all spend money on that could easily be reallocated. And you can be happy about it, not like, I have to give this up so I can afford. There's things that you don't need as much when you feel good that help with that a lot and the other thing is that most so if you approach somebody who is literally just trying to sell you a product they're trying to sell you their six-pack abs and they're trying to tell you a workout will do it and not showing you what they're doing in the kitchen okay they're selling you a product (laughs) especially if they're like by the way buy this
0: supplement it'll get you ripped none of them work by the way none of them no all bs yes chances are though no pill will get you ripped
1: chances are they're not interested in working with you. So you're probably not going to get the kind of response you want. However, when you get people who are looking to actually help people and that's why you're in it. And that's a lot of trainers. And it's going to be up to your judgment to kind of get a feel for this. It's not like you can't find somebody who won't work with you on some level. There's a lot of varying degrees. Like, A single one-on-one session out of the blue with no intention to continue working with me is going to be more expensive than, I need some help. I'm in another state. Can you review this video? Can we talk a little bit? Can we set up online programming? Less expensive. (laughs) Can we set up a once a week um, or not even twice a month, once a week, twice a month, every other week for, you know, I'll agree to go for this many dates but can we discount the price? The worst thing somebody can tell you if you're asking about that because finances are really that much of a problem, worst thing they can tell you is no. So chances are you can probably find somebody who's like, okay, we'll work on this through that, whatever, and you can get
0: started. However, the caveat be yeah. wary of people whose prices seem really low to you. If your gut says, well, yes. oh, that's cheap. Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and if you keep thinking that, there's a reason. Yes. And in the fitness realm, you get usually get what you pay for. So... Yes. That Just throw that little caveat in there yeah. because... No, I agree. I would you. much rather have a couple sessions with somebody who's really expensive and gives mm-hmm. me... I mean, I, I can think of uh, the handful of times, like we've had a, when I was in school, we would have like a visiting professor. I'd go to a flute day and you could have one lesson with that guest artist. Right. And how much did they charge you? And you're like, <gasps> yeah yeah, I'll find it. I really want that lesson. And how much, I mean, I remember driving four hours to Atlanta to have a lesson with Paul Edmund Davies of the London Symphony Orchestra, who's like <laughs> amazing. Sir Paul is incredible. And I thought, uh, I will do. That's eight hours in the car in one day. I learned stuff from him. Dogs next door. I learned stuff from him that I use to this day. It's totally worth it. Totally yeah. worth. Hundred
1: percent. And and. Think about
0: that when you come when you're looking for trainers.
1: Yes, and I I do apologize if that was not clear in what I was. Oh, not at all. Like. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I hundred percent agree. You know, you you are getting what you pay for, for sure.
0: Um. You don't want a you don't want a trainer who's not confident in their abilities and if right. they're not confident enough to set their prices at a certain level yes. that shows that yeah because you you charge what you're worth and if you don't think you're worth much you don't charge much
1: right and you usually if you don't think you're worth much and you're not charging as much you're not confident enough to give people what they actually need or you don't know enough one or the other um,
0: right now that's that's within a realm I mean like obviously we know, that LA is more expensive than Nashville is more okay. expensive right. than Boise, Idaho. I mean,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm not talking about the difference between like, oh, a one-off session is seventy dollars, but if you come in for you know seven sessions, I right. charge you ten each. Like, no.
0: <laughs> if somebody says they're going to charge you twenty dollars an hour, run away. Yes. Twenty-five hours, run away. It, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe not run away, but but. Big grain of salt. Ah! They might be, they might know a lot, but they might just be new. Yeah. That's okay. Maybe.
1: Just
0: think about it. (laughs) So, so the reason you're hearing barking is my, my kitten is here staring (laughs) (laughs) at the dog next door. That's why I'm outside, is to keep an eye on the fluff ball. Yeah. His name is Sir Winston. (laughs) So frequently he's been unknighted for being naughty, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, we, we've both got uh, critter things going on here. Mine has decided yeah. that uh, he should be involved in the podcast, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they like to play with each other oh. through the fence. It's pretty cute. So, that's all I had, actually. Yeah, I think we, cool. have we covered oh. the gamut.
1: I think we covered everything um, that we had set out to talk about. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean... Look to feel good. Look to play your best. Um, Be gentle with yourself and look for, if you don't know where to start, look for somebody who's willing to get you started, like, you know, um, get you started with where you are. Um, Not too much too soon, but like, hey, I see that you want to get from point A to point B, and you can't just leapfrog, you know. Like, we're going to get you there. (laughs) Yes, Uh, yeah. That's that's what I got for today. Without diving into the social, mental, and emotional stuff that I want to get into later. So,
0: not today. today. Too much. All right. Well, uh, let's do some plugs and then we'll we'll call it a day. You want to go first? Sure. So you can find me uh, anywhere that says Music Strong. So you can find me at musicstrong.com on Facebook at Music Strong Fitness. I'm sorry, that's Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Music Strong Fitness. You can find me on Facebook at Music Strong. And you can find me on YouTube somewhere under Music Strong Fitness Training. Somewhere. And the kitten freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> she the watering can. Sorry. <laughs> well, a little
1: bit of comic relief for the end of our little podcast today.
0: i uh, so freaked out.
1: Uh, anyway, go ahead. You're Your plug. <laughs> Speaking of kittens, um, but as always, I am Dr. Jen Chavis. You can find me online (laughs) at tunedandtonedperformance.com. That's tuned with a D and toned with a D. Um, Instagram and Facebook at tunedandtonedperformance. YouTube, just type in tunedandtonedperformance. I come right up. Um, And if you're having a hard time finding Angela's Music Strong uh, YouTube page, either go to her website. There's a link there. Um, or my YouTube, um, the Mute, uh, Tuned and Strong podcast playlist is linked to her account, also, so you should be able to find her through that, also. Yes. yes.
0: Um,
1: thanks again for tuning in, as usual. Um, if you got questions or comments, uh, feel free to drop them below or send us messages. We're happy to talk to you guys about anything. Um, and otherwise, we will check y'all next time.
0: Bye. <laughs>